It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe, on your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. We roll on on Light the Tower, hour number two underway here on the Horn. Glad you can join us wherever you are joining us from. Craig Way stepping out for hour number two. Cameron Parker here. Jeff Howe starting his vacation, but the man who I don't think ever vacations sitting across from me now, you hear him as the host of Chad and Say from 12 to 3. He is. Chad Hastings once again joining us. Thank you, Chad. What's up, brother? How are you? I'm doing good. Now, did you watch the SEC schedule reveal like you watched like the NBA draft, the NFL draft? How did you take it in? Because it felt like one of those must-watch TV moments. Even though we kind of knew the bigger matchups, it felt like, hold up, all right, I got to pull over, pull up YouTube TV and see what's going on here. Man, when it's something I wanted to come back that bad, I had to see it for sure. I had to know that it was legit. So you made a good comparison. I did kind of watch it like I watch drafts because normally I watch the beginning of a draft and then I let the rest of it play out and go check out stuff online. I didn't watch an hour of it. I think I watched from 6 to about 6.32 mm-hmm. and watched long enough. I saw what uh, what the Texas situation was, got a blog post on the website because that was one of the things I was doing yesterday, uh, tweeted that out. And uh, that way, you know, all of our guys could get their reactions in and everything. Then I just kind of sat back and let them roll through each team. Once I'd kind of seen all the teams, then I kind of ducked out before they really went into serious breakthrough or breakdown mode. But yeah, I watched it for about thirty minutes and then just smiled. Just had a big old smile on my face. Made sure that the Lone Star Showdown T-shirt was clean today. I'm, yeah. pop- I'm one of the few people that still owns one of these bad boys. I wear it all the time um, when it comes to this rivalry. And now it's all come back together, Cameron, for me. I hope there are Longhorn fans out there that feel the same way that I do. But, you know, as I grew up, I knew who my favorite team was when I was about, I don't know, five, six, seven, whatever mm-hmm, that was. Mm-hmm. Go to the, Went to the first game at Kyle Field and realized, okay, this is my team. As I grew up, about 10, 11, 12, I realized my favorite conference in college football was the SEC. Oh, okay. I was drawn to the Georgias and the Floridas, the helmets and the traditions and the locations and the mascots. And I was just drawn to that more than I was anything else in terms of a conference. So at one point, I found out my favorite team was going to my favorite conference. But what I lost was my favorite game. My favorite college football game was every year, end of the year, all right, let's see how things stack up against Texas. Let's see how things look against that crew in burnt orange. And I learned from a very early age that that was the game. That's it. That's the measuring stick. Hey, Chad, you see all those logs piled up over there? That's for Texas. Hey, you want to learn the words to the fight song? Okay, it's about Texas. Everything was that. And then I lose it for a little over a decade. I didn't know if it was coming back. So now my favorite game with my favorite team is in my fa- is going to be in my favorite conference. I couldn't ask for much more. And uh, I've said I could understand either side of where it would have started. But I also, I'm also a little bit the Aggie part of me 
is also a little bit excited that the SEC decided to, you know, give the Aggies a little something with that first game. They don't do that a lot. They've kind of dogged the Aggies out from time to time from 2012, done things that didn't make sense. I thought it made sense for them to, people have called doing them a favor or whatever. I thought that made sense. Logic would tell you to do it in Austin just because of the numbers, but I understand what they're doing. And then the way I saw them lay the rest of the schedule out, it made sense to me. So what did you think from the Longhorn side of things when you saw how it, how it laid out? First of all, with that game, how excited are you? You and I are in different, a little bit different places in terms of timeline. For you, how excited were you that the game's coming back for sure? Talking about Texas Vanderbilt? Or? Not Texas okay. Vanderbilt. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where I think the past few years since we knew the SEC was going to add Texas and Oklahoma, it was kind of like not like if we're going to play A&M again, it's when, right? Like, we knew it was going to happen. We were just hoping it was going to be a part of the first schedule, the first release. While we don't know the date yet, I want to get your thoughts mm-hmm. on, you know, when that should be in the schedule. It was it, – it's kind of like, I guess, you know, I don't have any brothers or sisters, but I imagine it's like, you know, when, when your close brother or sister, like, you know, leaves the house for a while and is gone for a handful of years and then comes back. Like, you still have your little brother or your, your you know, twin brother, Oklahoma, whatever you want to refer to them as. But, mm. you know, when you get A&M back – that's what it felt like, right? Because there's been a part of college football that's been missing. And you can talk about the conference realignment and if it's good or bad for the game or whatever because we're losing a lot of rivalries, right? And with the Pac-12 adding uh, USC and UCLA, that's going to really shake up all those rivalries on the West Coast. Yep. And with this move, you know, we you lost Nebraska-Oklahoma. You lost Texas, Texas A&M. And now you're, you're gaining it back, but you're also, you know, losing Oklahoma-Oklahoma State. You're going to lose Texas, Texas Tech, mainly rivalries that, of course, you know, I would I would trade in easily A&M to have a game with them versus having a game with Texas Tech for the rest of my life. Because yeah. I'm with you it, there, too. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to miss think, playing Texas Tech. Yeah, I don't think anyone I have not agrees mi- with that. I, I can give you that piece of advice from, a, from an Aggie to a Longhorn. I have not missed playing Texas Tech for 12 years. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think we will either. I don't no. think we're going to miss going, going to Lubbock either. College Station's a little bit closer for us. Yeah. So. Yeah, and there's just a little more. Again, there's a more of a family environment to it. There's more of a family feel, and the fact that we finally get, you know, we're getting chapter one nineteen is awesome. My thanks to the SEC once again for doing it because nobody on either side was really serious about doing it. They had to be forced. I'm so glad they they were. Once they were forced, they all did the right thing. They said we want to play every year. They said we'd rather have nine conference games. Hopefully, we get to that point. But it's gonna be so much fun knowing that game is coming back, and I loved – I heard you guys talking about it as I was driving in. I loved I loved the love it got on the SEC network. I didn't ex- – really honest, I didn't expect it. I expected a lot of Texas OU talk, but I really didn't expect them to lean in that hard on that game. So I'm really hoping that the house divided can become a different rivalry than it had been because it's always been an up or down. Mm-hmm. One team's up, one team's down. They're not good at the same time. Those two programs are going to need to figure that out. I think that will make a lot of things better uh, in the state of Texas if they can each be good at the same time. We'll see if that could happen. But I love the fact that SEC Network spent that much time talking about it. Do they even reveal the schedule for like Kentucky and Missouri? Like, do they know their schedule? Do they do that <laughs> off the air? I think they, I thought they brought in Paul Feinbaum really quick to talk about Texas. Dude, I saw Kentucky's schedule flash up at like five forty-five. <laughs> it was like so unimportant they just they did it before the actual show. Uh, Anybody else we got? Man. Who? I would, oh, K- 
Kent's, no, Kentucky. Okay. Yes, yeah. Kentucky. Yeah. I was uh, I was excited about it. And we you know, you've seen a lot of stuff out there on social media uh, to go look at the schedules you're gonna have. So obviously if you want to hit us up on the specs text line, 337-3776, let us know what you thought. Uh, whoever your team is, if you're a Texas fan, if you're an Aggie fan, if you're an OU fan, um, and then those three fan bases to me, Cameron, along with Arkansas, I was focused on yesterday for the region because they're they're in the same conference, going to be in the same conference for the first time ever. So I tried to process that in my brain. Texas OU, A and M, and Arkansas in the same conference, first time ever. It's been three out of four a couple ways, mm-hmm. but it's never been all four. So I wanted to ask myself if I'm those fan bases. How do I feel? Starting with you guys, I'd feel pretty good. If I was a Texas fan, I'd feel pretty good at how I was treated. Both cocktail parties teams come to you. Obviously, you're going to avoid Bama because you just you're going to have just finished a home and home, and you get now the going to A and M and going to Arkansas thing. I wouldn't be totally thrilled about that if I'm a Texas fan. I would have liked to have had one of those at home, but when you make it Florida and Georgia, it's like okay. And if I'm a Texas fan, I think, hey, we signed up for this, we asked for it, we asked for the SEC, and we're getting a big dose of it. But it doesn't feel, you know, completely oppressive, oh my God, this is not going to happen. And then you give Texas the three games that they kind of were looking for. We know Oklahoma was going to be there, you give them Arkansas and A&M. If I'm an Aggie fan, again, I'd be happy that you get to host Texas, I'd be happy I get to avoid Bama and Georgia. If I'm an Arkansas fan, I'm thrilled I get to host Texas. Thrilled. They hate Texas. Dude, they hate y'all in a special way. I was on this little conference call thing on Twitter that I don't still fully understand because I'm an old man and a Tennessee fan. Spaces? Spaces. I was in a space. Yeah. I had no idea. The guy's like, hey, I'll pull you up on the space. Don't know what you're talking about, dude. <laughs> you got to explain this to me. I was on a space and this Tennessee fan jumps in and says, man, Arkansas got really fired up when Texas came to Fayetteville a couple years ago. It was like they cared about that more than they did playing Bama. And I said, yeah, because they do. They hate Texas maybe more than they hate anything else on this earth. So I'd be thrilled about that if I'm an Arkansas fan. And then I don't think their schedule is that. To get to host Tennessee and Texas, I think that's pretty cool for Arkansas folks. And then they still have the A&M game, the non-conference. And then to get to go to Missouri and Mississippi State, not that crazy. They get to avoid Bama, which has got to be great for them, as long as Arkansas has been dealing with Bama every single year. They don't have to play Bama, and they don't have to play Georgia. And the only one of those four – where I'd be a little pissed is if I'm an OU fan. Yeah. If I'm an OU fan, I might ask the SEC, did you read our full resume? Did you read everything we are and everything we've done? We get Alabama coming to us okay. Oklahoma has to go to Auburn and to LSU. Mm. The only other team I could find, Cam, that they did that to was Vanderbilt. Yeah. That is low. That is a low blow right there. By the way, the only team I can find going to Bama and Georgia in 2024 is Auburn. Good luck, Tigers. That's a crazy year. So those four fan bases, that's kind of how I would size that up. Let us know what you think. Um, somebody said, how cool was it to hear SEC guru Paul Feinbaum say, everyone wants to play Texas. <laughs> yeah. There it is. Half the conference gets Texas. Half the conference gets OU. Uh, so they're guaranteeing that as well. I thought they did a pretty good job. They have a tough job, man. Fourteen. They already had 14 tough things to deal with, and they just added that brand and that brand. 
So there's a lot of things to consider, and I thought they did a pretty good job. And now we're getting games we didn't used to get. Hopefully the SEC scheduling garbage can go away. The non-conference stuff will be there on the back end, because if, especially if you stay with eight conference games. But even if you go to nine, they're going to still schedule. Teams are going to schedule Wofford and the Citadel and Chattanooga and stuff. But this whole Georgia and Alabama have only played five times in 20 years. That's got to stop mm-hmm. immediately. And they need to get into home and homes with everybody. The fact that they got rid of divisions is great. Here's one for you, Cam. Did you see who LSU plays in non-conference in 24? I did not. They play USC and UCLA. Oh. They host the Bruins, if I saw it correctly, and they travel to the Coliseum. Now that is what I call a non-conference schedule. And the fact that the SEC has dictated everybody's got to play one power five or a reputable independent. Like, that's awesome. The fact that they're making them go to that level for at least one game, I think that's fantastic. And you guys opened with Notre Dame that year, right? That is true. A&M or hosting a, a, Notre Dame, I think. Well, maybe not open, but I know that that's one of your non-conference. It's real right? close. Usually, yeah, yeah maybe that second week. But, yes, A&M does play Notre Dame, I believe as the uh, the big non-con that year. Hopefully we continue to see just better and better versions. Uh, Bama's going to Wisconsin. That and By the way, I believe it's actually at Wisconsin, not one of those games where it's like, Alabama's stepping up their gutsy. They're going to play Louisville. Where are they playing them? Lucas Oil Stadium. Atlanta. Oh, good God. Atlanta again. So as we saw last year, when Alabama is forced to play an actual road game at another actual environment, it can be close. It was close in it can Austin. It be actually a fun game. It was fun. It was incredible. The Alabama fans enjoyed it, and that team survived. They got out of Austin with a win, and it's going to be so much fun to watch those kind of matchups uh, and those kind of things. Somebody says, when do the Longhorn shirts come out with the SEC symbol on them? Oh, yeah, those are on the way. I think I've seen some actually around some tailgates. Those are on the way. I'm, a, I'm interested to see if they'll start embracing at least kind of the way maybe A&M and Missouri did. I saw more. I saw SEC flags. It felt like in two seconds. As soon as it was announced that first year and the pride that was there in the conference was there. Everybody outside of the SEC loves to make fun of it all, and I always say it the same way. It just means more is true for all of it. It's true for the good. It's true for the bad. It's true for crazy callers on Feinbaum. It's true for a guy that poisoned the trees at Auburn. But it's also true that when they release the schedule in June, they care way more than other conference mm-hmm. fans care. That's what you're, That's what Texas and Oklahoma have decided they want to be a part of, a conference that cares about it more than everybody else does. It was a discussion yesterday between Jeff and Craig and myself. When has there ever been this much speculation and hype and hoopla around a schedule reveal for a conference, right? Yeah, I can't I mean I can't think of it. I'll I'll tell you that since, you know, since my team has been in the SEC, I'll check when they they usually throw it out in April, sometimes April, May. When they'll throw stuff like that out, I'll start checking it and thinking forward. To like, oh, that'll be cool. This will be cool. Do I want to do a trip? I've done a couple SEC trips. That's what Texas fans are going to enjoy too. Mm-hmm. The idea of, hey, where do I maybe want to go? Yeah, because I didn't do that in the in the Big Twelve. 
I'm just I'm the stereotypical example. I never planned a trip to Manhattan. Yeah. No one's fired up to go to Manhattan or Waco. And it, I didn't plan. Now, I've been to Waco. You know, I did the Texas ones. Um, I've been to Waco. Actually, I, I say that I've never been to the game in Lubbock. It's never never interested me. My dad's got a buddy out there, but I never went to one of those games. So I've been to Baylor. Uh, I went to in TCU. I was there the night Quentin Corriott broke that dude's jaw. Mm. Um, and then I've been to and SMU when SMU played at Texas Stadium. I've been to games up there. But, yeah, I didn't plan, like, big trips. Oh, my God, we got to go to Lawrence. Oh, man, let's go to Ames. It's never, it never occurred to me. But then when it switches to the SEC, you just start to think about it. And that's, what's, that's what I've heard for years uh, from people in your group, Cameron, whether it's somebody your age, it's somebody older like me, it's somebody all ages have told me, Texas fans, it's like, man, I want better trips. I want better trips. Y'all thought that USC thing was cool, home and home, because it was. You thought Notre Dame was cool, home and home, because it was. You wanted more of those. Michigan and the Ohio State thing is coming. But once you walk out of that Cotton Bowl, and I love Texas fans for this, for being honest about it, once y'all walked out of that Cotton Bowl for the rest of the year, you kind of had this uh, about you because all your really cool rival stuff was gone. You know, the Aggies were gone at the end of the year. And the Aggies dealt with it a different way. They wouldn't absolutely outright tell you they missed it, but you could feel it. You could feel that it was wasn't it wasn't the same. You know, they try to do the off-campus bonfire and convince you that it was about Missouri or LSU or something. It just didn't feel right. This is going to feel so right. 2024, and to answer your question before you ask it, I don't care when it's played, okay. but I'm not locked into any Thanksgiving Day idea. I say give the NFL Thanksgiving Day. I'd even tell them to move the Egg Bowl. Yeah. I think the Egg Bowl gets lost. Let the NFL have Thanksgiving, pack Friday and Saturday. I want it the Friday or Saturday of Thanksgiving week. That's what I want. Black Friday or Saturday. That's when that game should be played. They've tried Texas Tech. They've tried TCU. I think Baylor was it last year, two years ago. When you have a game on Thanksgiving and you have a student, you know, you go, let's take, go home for a weekend. Or watch, you know, seven and four Texas for seven and four Baylor. I'm gonna go home. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm I kind of miss my parents cooking. A and M, A and M, Texas. They could be zero and eight going in that game. They still want to go because it's what that game means. And yeah. like you said, after the Cotton Bowl, you know, sure, like oh, okay, yeah, we had the TCU game coming up, but it's not the same as it was playing A and M. And now that's back. Like I, 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 I hope. I hope it's at the end of the season. Because it'll mean more oh, versus yeah. like I mean, imagine if you play A and M the week after the Oklahoma game, it's it's like you won't be able to process you know either the OU game or the A and M game because it's two of your biggest rivals back to back. You got to space it out, right? You got to create some couple weeks on Twitter where you got people going at each other. Now yeah. I've heard that A and M wants to keep that LSU game, and so I know you don't care, but is there something there now with the A and M LSU kind of rivalry, the the seven overtime game where it's like yeah, there's actually a good spot in the schedule. But you seem like you don't really care when it's played. It's been yeah, that one they can move around. That one they can move. Okay. When I was when I was growing up, when it was a non con game, AM's played LSU in the heat of September. That that I, I remember going to an LSU game heat of September, like ninety six degrees kind of a day. That game to me can go anywhere. The Texas game needs to be at the end of the year. Separate those things out to where Texas OU and this game are in separate spots because, you know, they don't play the Iron Bowl and the cocktail party close together. Yeah. 
Now, those are different teams, I understand, but they space out their rival games. I think the SEC will get this one right, and hopefully they'll be able to figure that out. But so exciting that that game is back, all the other games that have been talked about, and the fact that Texas and Oklahoma are getting a clear message from the SEC on a couple of games. We're going to send our two biggest dogs to you, and your fans get to see it right away. Oklahoma fans get to walk into their stadium and face Alabama. Texas fans get to walk into their stadium and face Georgia. And let me tell you, as a uniform freak, there is really something cool when certain helmets get together, when they never get together. And I remember when Texas and Georgia got together for that bowl game, and I got so excited just because of that. I remember the bowl game when I was a kid. We won't go into the details of it. But I remember thinking, God, that's so cool that those two are playing. And now it's going to happen in Austin. It's a, to me, it's a great welcome to the conference kind of thing. And for Texas, it's a, all right, here's what we asked for. Let's go. Let's start measuring ourselves right away. It might be against a three-time defending national champ. So what? Let's go. We have asked for this. We want this schedule. No bitching, no complaining, no moaning. Expanded playoffs so you'll have other opportunities on the back end anyway. Bring the dogs to town. Bevo would like to see Ugga again. Let's go. How do you think the SEC is going to change the conference, the divisions, the pods? Because we're going to have the 16-team, just the top two advance of the SEC championship, right? That's going to be the format next year. Yep. How would you like to see it in 2025? Because there's a, you know, there's a possibility here with so many top teams. You're going to have a, t- a lot of teams, a lot of losses. But with the playoff opening up to eight teams now, you're going to have – you know, possibly three, four lost teams maybe getting in now. So does it even matter at this point? I think the the thing the SEC needs to focus on is kind of what they've done in, in 24 in terms of keep your as many rivalries as you can, but you need to get a good rotation going. Let everybody – this thing of you're going to play everybody in three years and you're going to play everybody everywhere in four, bravo. That's perfect. You need to tell recruits that. You need to make sure they understand it. Nobody's running from anybody. Do those true home and homes where, again, if I'm, a, if I'm the badass kid that's about to start as a freshman, I know that when I leave, I will have worn this uniform and I'll have worn it everywhere. I'll have gone to all those different places. I think that's a first place they need to start. I would go to nine games. I like the 3-6 model because it preserves most of the rivalries. By the way, in 2020, yeah. 2024, one of my favorites, Auburn-LSU, is not happening. I love that. I love the Tiger Bowl. I'm a big fan of it. It's not happening. Georgia-South Carolina is not happening. But outside of that, I couldn't find another one. There's only a few that get you know, pushed aside. So they've got to preserve as many of those as they can. But I think that's, that's what's critical to me moving forward is don't – you know, don't be afraid of the parody you've just created. Don't run from it. Let it build on itself. Let the iron sharpen the iron and let it play out. Because I think you're right. Right now, we're, we're going from a world where if you lose two games, you can't even get in the playoff to wherever this is going to be. Yeah. I don't know if a four-loss team is getting in the playoff. I, I don't. I really don't know. As I recall from looking at what it would have been these last few years, I want to say like if you can still be a two-loss team. Maybe three, but I don't know if you can lose four. We're going to have to see that part play out. So if I'm the SEC, I would just lean into the competition you've created here would be my biggest piece of advice. Yeah, and it feels like if if the committee's probably going to give a little bit more leeway for the Big Ten teams and the SEC teams versus 
a three like a three loss Big Twelve team versus a three loss SEC team probably going to be weighted a lot differently by the committee. But yeah. yeah. Just speculation. I agree. And then that non-conference you play is going to matter. Then, yeah. it, then it becomes – hopefully that part can become a little more like college basketball. Hey, you saw, you know they played in the non-con. You know they went to Duke and mm-hmm. only lost by mm-hmm. three, something like that. That's, I think that's going to matter too. All right, so uh, we got a lot going on today. By the way, uh, I am Chad Hastings filling in for Craig and Jeff. Jeff hitting a little bit of uh, time off in the summer. Craig's got a – what's he doing? Texas Coaches High yeah. School. What's happening? Association, yeah. My goodness. Got a Zoom call to get on or something? I believe five new names being inducted. And Ooh, so, Gotcha. Got to figure out what that's all about. All right, so uh, Craig's dealing with that. Cameron Parker here, as always. I'm Chad Hastings. And uh, we doing a flex segment coming up, or do we already do that? We can do it. We already can do got, it. Real got quick. Flex segment coming up. I got a little. I got a flex connection with the 24 Ooh, schedule. Let's hear it. Plus, I want to hear about the flex show last night. Of course. We will get to that. Plus, we can get you an update on the U.S. Open. They are underway at that club in L.A. People are trying to learn a little bit about. We'll tell you who's on top of the leaderboard next on the Horn. Craig Way and Jeff Howe light the tower. All right, hope you're having a great Thursday discussing all the SEC 24 schedule stuff coming out of last night. This does not sound like a song Cam would play for Craig, and it does not sound like a song Cam would play for Jeff Howe. Nope. You're just taking advantage of both of them being gone, aren't you? Exactly. Exactly right. (laughs) So how does this song speak to you? Why would this song pop up? Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, I see. We were just talking superhero movies we in the were, break. Yeah. So you want to go a little Guardians? Yeah. Still um, love all three soundtracks. Actually, because the first one, we were both at, uh, coincidentally. That's we, right. We didn't plan a movie date. I know. You and we were I, both in the theater. You and I both saw Guardians 3 at the exact same time. And I, I took my dad to it because he loved the first one just to see if he would like it. And, you yeah. know, he didn't, he didn't check his phone more than three times during the movie. So that's I think it's, it's a kind of a thumbs middle so overall are you and you endorse all three of those movies yeah i think so yeah i, I think do, so. i do too i thought they landed the plane pretty well yeah yeah it's a, it was a weird thing to try to end yeah it's a strange world obviously but i thought it was good and then yeah the music's incredible that was the first thing i heard first first and only superhero movie where that's all people would tell me at the beginning Man, have you seen Guardians? No. Guardians? What are you talking about? Guardians of the Galaxy. Dude, the music is unreal. I was like, did you just say the music is unreal? And it made me kind of not want to see it at first. Then when I saw it, I realized. You understood it, yeah. Oh, I see what they're saying. Okay. Uh, Yeah, check out Guardians 3 if you haven't. It's very, very good. Cameron Parker, I'm Chad Hastings. As Craig is dealing with some high school football business today, and Jeff Howe is uh, enjoying some well-earned vacation. If you're out, out there on vacation, we hope you are having a good one as well. No matter what you're doing on this Thursday, getting more reactions to the SEC 24 schedule. We also have the U.S. Open cranked up at the L.A. Country Club. That's actually what it's called, the Los Angeles Country Club. And right now, the leaders right up at the top, oh, it's definitely got a North American feel to it. Omar Morales uh, at minus three through nine holes. And then a group of Americans that includes, let's see, one name I know, Cameron Parker, Kevin Streelman, I've heard that name, at minus two, along with Jacob Solomon, Ryan Gerard, and Dylan Wu. I'm guessing you might know who those guys are, being a golf freak. 
Yeah, so Dylan Wood has actually made birdie on the par 5-8 to jump into that three-way tie for three under. Okay. Um, West Coast course, so two of the three guys in the top. One played at one currently plays at UCLA, amateur Omar Morales. Mm-hmm. Dylan Wu, a standout at Stanford. So, uh, so far, showing out to the West Coast guys who are up there. Ricky Fowler, minus two. He's from California. Sender Shoffle, minus two. He's also from California. So, And isn't Homa a California yeah, guy? Yeah, Cal- he, he has the course record. I he s- sat there when he won the, right. uh, I believe the 2000 in uh, 12 or 13 uh, national championship. I think it was 13. He won the individual title when he was at California. Fired a 61? Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. I saw yeah. him interviewed today talking about that. He's at minus one. DeChambeau minus one, couple other names I grabbed here. Shoffley at minus two, Justin Thomas plus two, Patrick Reed plus three. For those of you that are Patrick Reed haters, you can mm-hmm. smile on that one. Plus three through three holes. So maybe they are done. Uh, now now we're done with all the asking questions about the agreement and what it's going to look like moving forward. And now it's just about the golf. Later on this afternoon, I believe, is when that awesome grouping of Rory McElroy and Brooks Kepka gets out there. Let's see how they play early, Cameron. I'm fascinated by both of them. I think Kepka is truly dangerous right now. The focus he must have, um, you know, just being Brooks Kepka, but then also, you know, coming off of the win at the PGA. And then with Rory, let's see. Rory's run his mouth a lot and Rory had the high ground. And now all of the sudden it's all been taken away from him. I wonder if it affects the golf at all. That's got to be a confused man right now. Yeah, and he, he had a chance to win last week at the Canadian Open. He was in the final group, just didn't have it on that final Sunday. For him, this course, I don't know if it's a great Roy McIlroy course that'll set up for him, but it's going to be an, an excellent group. And the best part of it, Chad, it's on the West Coast. We get primetime golf. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Because our time. That is good. Jordan Spieth, he tees off at like 4 p.m. Central time. So he won't finish up until 8, 9 p.m. So, you know, you get home from work because usually. When they play on the East Coast, they're already done for the most part before dinner. You get to sit back and relax before you go to bed and watch some West Coast golf. So that's what I'm most excited for because it comes on NBC at 7 p.m. tonight. That's exciting. I hadn't even thought of that. That's a good point. It's like the opposite – it's an opposite good news from like the British Open, mm-hmm. which is you can get ri- get done with the rounds early in the day. Yeah. This one is, yeah, you get a little prime time that you wouldn't have. We'll keep uh, keep you updated on that as the uh, other big dogs get out there on the course throughout the day. Let's get them a little flex segment here, Cameron. I saw something great this morning that ties together flex and this SEC 24 scheduling. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. This will tie it all together for you. Uh, I saw a tweet today from Princely Human Melan. The stud that went to Maynard yeah. and is now at Florida. And he tweets out, we play Texas in 2024. I might just. And then he puts out melting smiley face emojis. I don't know if that means he's happy and it's going to be hot, but melting face. I guess that's just happiness. The melting smiling face. And he put four of them in there. So, Cameron, that's another angle of this to consider that, you know, in the recruiting discussion, you know, when A&M joined the, the SEC, it brought a different feel to recruiting in the state of Texas. Now that's going to change even more with Texas and Oklahoma. You're going to have so many different kids trying to make that choice of, do I want to play SEC football with the Aggies, Longhorn Sooners, or do I want to go to a place like Florida, 
Georgia, Bama, knowing that in the rotation of things, I will come to Austin if mm-hmm. I'm an Austin area kid and my family gets to see me play no matter what I'm wearing. Yeah, I think a big part of the SEC recruiting pitch is like come play in the best conference, right? Mm-hmm. And they've recruited very well, poaching out of the state of Texas, right? But now if you're Oklahoma and Texas with the schedule, you can be like, hey, we got Bama coming to our place this year. We're going, to, we're going there next year over your Texas. So we got Georgia coming here this year. Then we're going to their place next year. And then Alabama eventually down the road once again. It's a good pitch, right, for no kids doubt. in the state of Texas. So I'm curious to see if maybe OU Texas get a little boost from recruiting or if it doesn't have a, a, an effect at all. And that's where there's two guys that I just thought of as you were saying that. Because when they get in those living rooms and it's the SEC guys talking and now it includes Sarkeesian walking in there and Venables in Oklahoma and all that. How do Dabo and Ryan Day deal with that issue? Yeah. Because the SEC stuff just changed on them, so how do they now come into Texas and make their argument? Apparently Dabo is killing it recruiting right now. Yeah, he's he, bouncing back for he sure. He just got that the stud 25 running back, and there's all kinds of energy around him. But what are those discussions uh, that they are saying to, to recruits? That's interesting. So uh, that is a, a part of the Flex Thought today. Remember, you can go to FLXATX on social media. I also saw a congrats to uh, our man Jake Helms, the long snap out of Westlake uh, got an offer from Air Force. Yeah. So congrats to him for that. Speaking of Westlake, Cameron, you guys had a visit from Westlake folks on the Wednesday Night Flex show. Was it the entire baseball team that was in the studio? <laughs> this place was pretty packed last night. Not quite, but yeah, it was basically just the Westlake Flex show. We had Coach JT Blair on and Coach Blair. He's been on, I think, the horn shows like 50 times this season I, I, I'm about to say like if you retire from baseball like you probably have a future in hosting a radio show you've been on the airwaves so long uh-huh. so many times he was on last night and then in studio we had Aiden Bennett and Ben Longoria so Bennett gonna go to A&M actually, is that right and uh try and walk on for baseball and I believe Ben Longoria uh Navarro he'll be at Navarro Juco College um he had that that throw to the plate that ended Game two against San Antonio Johnson that sent ah, right. Westlake to the state state tournament. So it, it was a great show. Zach Lucero, Nolan Hogan, uh, Corey Mose from KVU. He's been a, a stalwart in our Flex show and myself. So if you missed it last night, uh, check it out in the Horn FM podcast page or the Flex ATX podcast podcast page. Just search Flex ATX anywhere you get your podcast. All right, got a little more this hour, and then we'll get you off to Chad and Zay from 12 to 3. Isaiah Collier does a heck of a job. That other guy? I don't know. I'm not sure. You'll have to deal with his Aggie crap today. Is it going to be like uh, USC basketball next year where you have Isaiah Collier and then you have Bronny James, even though you know Collier's the the better player, but Bronny's going to get more of the hype? Is that... Uh, is that was going to be like. Is that a fair comparison? Um, or am I reaching? reaching? I, I just I like any weird comparison where I get to be Bronny James. Okay, that, that's true. that that was yeah. actually crazy. It is going to be <laughs> weird for the next few years trying to make sure everybody understands the difference between our Isaiah Collier and the other Isaiah Collier. The spellings are different, and the you know the, the worlds are different. A bit. At least he's not working in California right now. But, he, I mean, he may. Who knows? He might, yeah. That'd be a little bit tough. That's true. You never, you never know. Uh, yeah, so uh, Zay will be jumping in next hour. We'll get into a lot of discussion and keep getting your reaction to the schedule stuff. A little bit more here in Light the Tower. Uh, we are glad you're here with us today. Give us your reaction to the SEC scheduling in 2024. Still a lot of questions out there as to how it's going to lay out. Specs text line is 337-3776. More coming up on the Horn. 
I know I'm supposed to know this, but I'm not coming up with this one. What's the title of this song? I'm gonna Since know- You've Been Gone. Since You've Been Gone. Now, I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. Okay. It's one of the rock super groups. Ah, a rock super group. Yeah, I don't know. I have no guess here. What do you got? Rainbow. Rainbow. All right. I end up missing the rainbow stuff. I can identify the Ronnie James Dio stuff. I can identify some, you know, some Dio, whatever, but the rainbow. Back all the way, all the way back to the Richie Blackmore and Rainbow. That's the ones I miss. Um, all right, there we go. That's a that's a that's a good good way back machine there. Uh, shout out to a little rainbow. We got more crazy music coming up with Chad and Zay. Isaiah listened to Revolver by the Beatles this Ooh. week. So we're doing an album movie swap, and the movie I watched this week was Coach Carter with Samuel L. Jackson. I'd never seen it. So we'll give you our thoughts on that coming up at 2 o'clock today. Uh, before we get out of here. Wait, wait, what was the one that he gave you, or you gave him, actually? Um, so he's, we've, in the last few weeks, we went to one movie and one album. So the album is Revolver for him that he hasn't listened to, and I hadn't seen Coach Carter. Okay. So we've been kind of mixing it up, doing a movie and an album these last couple of weeks. Okay. Kind of fun, kind of shaking it up. So um, we've, and we were on a weird run of good, bad movies. Like really good, you almost hate yourself for loving them, kind of bad movies. Coach Carter's not quite that. It's better than that. But we've been on a run of Last Boy Scout, Above the Rim, and that type of movie. He started with Blue Chips. It's Zay's, okay. it's Zay's fault. He started with that good, bad movie, and then we just kind of went on a run. Haven't seen Blue Chips. Haven't seen Coach Carter. Have you seen Above the Rim? Not seen above the rim. Oh, good God! Just go watch the beginning of Above the Rim. Oh boy, <laughs> it's a, it is it's one of the most world class, awful beginnings to a movie I've uh, ever seen. In terms of like, I can't wait. An idea that's completely unrealistic for Earth. I don't think I've ever seen one dumber than that. And it colors the rest of the movie. It affects the way I think of the rest of the movie, which actually wasn't bad, but the beginning is bizarre. Uh, anyway, so we'll get into that at two o'clock. Uh, Cameron, I did look up what the college football playoff would have been last year. I know this is a concern for people, and everybody flips out about, they're going to let a five-loss team. Calm down. Calm down. Let's breathe and go through it. Last year, week 15, we'll go before the bowls, because I think that's the most fair mm-hmm. way to do it. Yeah. Here's what it would have been. Only two three-loss teams would have been in. Everybody else would have two, one, or no losses. The two, three loss teams would have been Utah and K-State. I think we can all agree they should at least be in a discussion of top 12. That's probably all right with everybody. Here's what it would have been. Washington would have gone to Alabama for the 12-5. Tennessee hosts Penn State. Oh, my God, I love it already. Uh, Clemson hosts USC. And Utah hosts Kansas State. That would have been fun. And then, of course, you got Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and Ohio State waiting. So last year's version would have been a couple of three-loss teams in. So, Cam, the point you brought up earlier is interesting. Will we see now in the new Big Ten and new SEC world, would you see a four-loss team in those badass conferences that might get a little love or get a little attention? The closest a four-loss team would have been last year 
was LSU at 17. So five full slots back with a four-loss situation. But this is where I use my NFL fandom and I sleep like a baby. I don't worry about it. For those college football elitists that say, well, if, if this team had lost a game, they wouldn't be one of the best ever. Yeah, and? Exactly. I don't need history. I just need a champion. I need it to be real. I need it to be based on real scheduling and real games and real results. Once we get to the end of it, if it's historic, fine. But if it's not, well, so what? They're the champ that year, and we just move on. Like None of that stuff scares me because I'm an NFL fan. I know that if you lose two or three or four or even five or six games, you get on a run and you beat people, you beat them. That's it. That's how it is in college baseball right now. I mean, sure. TCU at one point was like, oh, they're not going to make the – they're not going to even – sniff the postseason and now they're the hottest team possibly in college baseball right now we saw in the nba playoffs the miami heat they were in the play-in the play-in and they won one game in the nba finals sure they got their mm-hmm. butts whipped but they lost the best team in the nba and they also went to the championship so you can't discredit it it's always going to be a part of conversation i think in sports because for some reason there's this weird group of people who always get so offended by that chad but i mean t- like you mentioned lsu they four lost. One of those was in the SEC championship. So, I mean, really, they were a three-loss team, technically, and that third loss came against A&M the week before in the championship. But before that, I mean, they had beaten, you know, a, a, they went through five top 25 teams and won five straight, and they lost to Georgia at Georgia by only, I think, two scores. So they were worthy of it. Now, of course, they had the four-loss team. So I'm curious, the only way I think a four-loss team would go in, to go to back up my point, would be, if they lost in the conference championship. Now, you have an 8-4 team yeah. that went in before playing an extra game, then yeah, like there's that doesn't work. But if it is an LSU type or maybe you know a USC type in the Big Ten where they, that fourth loss came in the conference championship, but they did beat a couple top five, top 25 teams, I'm curious how the committee will look at them yeah. if they're from this new mega conference SEC, mega conference Big Ten. Oh, and the best news is all those dumb discussions they've been having, crazy discussions they've been having over the years, we finally got it to move from 2-3 to 4-5. Now that discussion moves down to 12-13. Fantastic. Fantastic. I can't wait for this thing to get cranked up. More meaningful football. And guess what? If your favorite team does win a national title, it's going to matter even more. Uh, before we get out of here, Cameron, if I can pay for every bit of it, as a Texas fan, I'll pay for every bit of it. You don't have to worry about We'll make it like a Price is Right prize. Give me the SEC venue you want to go experience the most. Oh, okay. So I've been all, the, all expenses are taken care of. All expenses. I've been to Tuscaloosa twice. So, hmm, does A&M count? Because I haven't been to Kyle Field yet. Uh, of course. Okay. I yeah. think for me, well, I mean, I guess – Probably Athens because I've heard it's it's a great place to go to. Mm-hmm. But for the actual game, A and M for the actual experience, probably Athens, Georgia. Okay, so if I give you the Aggies for free, you'd go to Athens. Oh yeah, go. I'm going to figure out a way to be in Kyle Field next year. That is going to be a lot of fun. We'll continue to talk about that. Also, some of the other ones. And a question for you out there, Texas fan or otherwise, in 2024 and beyond, what is that SEC venue you want to go see above all? else we'll get into that talk about the schedule reaction we got a little nfl to get into and yes at two o'clock today we'll get into that album movie swap chad and zay coming up 
Cameron Parker, thank you for having me, sir. Thanks for coming on, Chad. Appreciate it. Craig Way, be safe out there. Jeff Howe, enjoy that time off. And uh, we will keep rolling right here on a Thursday. Keep it right here on The Horn.